G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. We're a church that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And if you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. Today's sermon is entitled Stay in the Light and it's the third sermon in our Light and Love series focusing on the book of 1 John. This sermon focuses on 1 John chapter 2 verses 19 to 28. Enjoy the sermon. The first reading is from 1 John chapter 2 beginning at the 18th verse. Dear children, this is the last hour and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, Even now, many antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. Or if we had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Christ Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, And as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has been taught you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Hear the word of the Lord. Well, last year I got a call from a representative of the Bell RSL wanting to know if there were any returned servicemen in our parish. As no public events were being held for Anzac Day, she wanted to ride by on horseback and salute any of our diggers confined to their homes. I told her about Jim Brown, a member of the 458th Squadron who flew Wellington bombers in World War II and had spent much of the lockdown by himself. When I rang up Jim, he was unsure about the whole thing, not wanting to glorify war, but he let me pass on his details. Jim died last Tuesday, but his son shared that that gesture had brought tears to Jim's eyes as he stood on his deck and saluted the ride-by. That precious moment, I believe, gets to the core of what Anzac Day today is about, remembering those who gave their lives and commemorating the contribution and sacrifice of all those who have served. The reading that was just read from 1 John may seem worlds away from Anzac Day commemorations, but it's not. John today is dealing with conflict in his community in the strongest and most gospel-sensitive way, but he's also doing the very thing that Anzac Day was designed to do, draw us back to what is truly important, and clarify for us 
what's worth fighting for and what isn't. So today, we're going to look at what John means when he talks about the last hour and who the Antichrists are, and we're going to see our call to join God's coalition of Christ-anointed ones. So let's look at the last hour. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, we read, Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. Now, when we hear about the last hour, we can often get distracted thinking about doomsday scenarios and failed prophecies about the end of the world. But for John and his fellow Christians, the world may have seemed to be ending. The church he knew and loved had its back to the wall. John writes, They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. John is writing to a small group of house churches which he helped plant about a schism they're currently going through. The end of the church may have seemed nigh as a fair whack of the church have left. Notice though, John isn't panicking or giving up hope. It's the last hour, but it's no time to run around like a headless chook. All is not lost. Jesus warned his disciples that there would be false prophets and false messiahs who would try to deceive and discourage the people of God. He also told his disciples that he would one day return to set all wrongs right and bring all things to their true end. He didn't say when and told us to always be ready for his return. This is why John tells us that it's the last hour. It's a reminder that Jesus warned us that in between his first coming and his return, deceivers would come and hardship would continue, but God's people should never give up hope. John's disciples lived in the last days, and so do we, a time where Jesus will return at any moment and set all wrongs right. The appearance of the people that Jesus warned us about is affirmation that his words are true. Now, it may seem strange that Jesus is taking so long, doesn't he understand that an hour is 60 minutes, not 2,000 years? Or even the 60 years John's disciples had been waiting for Jesus? No. 2 Peter 3.8 reminds us of this. But do not forget this one dear thing, dear friend. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. All of us are living in the last hour, and when we encounter trials, schisms, and hardships, we need to remember to hold on. Jesus is coming soon, and God is still on the throne. For some of us, we'll meet Jesus when we die, and others may still be alive when he returns, but for all of us, we need to remember that Jesus is coming soon. And as 1 John 2.28 tells us, our job is to make sure that when he returns, we won't shrink back to him, but we'll know him, love him, and draw close to him. Now the term Antichrist triggers a lot of people because when we think of the Antichrist, we often think of a horned beast bringing about the end of the world. This is because the Bible warns us about a figure who will oppose Jesus when he returns. For John, this figure is called the Antichrist. Candidates for being the Antichrist through the ages have included Donald Trump, 
Saddam Hussein, many popes, and even the Roman Emperor Nero. With the benefit of hindsight, we can safely say that none of these have been the Antichrist, as all of them have come and gone without promising, prompting Jesus' return. The word Christ, though, just means to anoint something, to cover it in paint, oil, or any other substance. When people were chosen as kings, they were chrismated or covered in oil to mark them out as kings. Sick people were chrismated with healing oil, and Jesus Christ was covered in perfume before his death, anointed as God's chosen saviour king. So while there is the capital A Antichrist, there are also little a Antichrists. An Antichrist is simply someone who is against the anointing of Christ. Anyone or anything that attempts to contradict or counteract the mission and teaching of Jesus is an Antichrist. This is what John has to say about the, the identity of such people. He says this in 1 John 2.22. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Here we see that the Antichrists are those who deny Jesus is the Christ, the anointed Saviour of the world. Soon after the birth of the church, many movements started claiming that Jesus was an angel, or a spirit, or just a nice man, and that he never physically rose from the dead. People still teach this today, claiming to have special learning or insight, but denying the central teachings of Jesus and the Bible. So what are we to do when we find ourselves in the last hour, which we are, in a world where antichrists continue to deny Jesus' teachings? Are we to fight them? Are we to try and destroy them? Or are we to ignore them, hoping that they'll go away? No. John tells us what to do in 1 John 2:28. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Continue in who? Continue in Jesus. Here John tells us to go back to our original anointing. This may mean our baptism, our initiation in the Christian faith, or it may refer to our anointing with the Holy Spirit. Either way, John is drawing us not into some new fandangled teaching or some alternative lifestyle, like those who've left the church. Instead, he's calling us back into our faith in Jesus. The faith we affirm every time we recite the creed, every time we baptize someone into God's church, every time we ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill our lives, we're drawing ourselves back to our first love. Friends, every time we draw close to Jesus, we resist the Antichrist and make ourselves little Christs. Not little Jesuses, but little anointed ones, ready to reflect God's will and God's way. This is why John calls us little children. He's drawing us back to the teachings we were first entrusted to. Antichrists have swept into the church with different teachings. And John responds by saying, you're not lacking in anything. You're not lacking in knowledge. You're not somehow inferior because you've stayed close to Jesus. There's no special anointing that you've missed out on. You are the anointed ones. Here John is galvanizing the few people who are left in his church 
telling them that the best way to respond to the Antichrists is to continue in Christ Jesus and become little Christs, saving one soul at a time. Next month, we'll remember the 81st anniversary of the Battle of Dunkirk. At the beginning of the Second World War, the Nazi war machine fought west and took the Netherlands, then Belgium, then much of France, with alarming speed. Allied forces were forced to retreat to the port of Dunkirk and were quickly surrounded. The troops and civilians were sitting ducks for German bombers and approximately 400,000 British, French and some Australian troops faced their last hour. The War Office gave the order to evacuate Dunkirk on May 25th. The then Prime Minister Winston Churchill gave a speech in Parliament calling his people back to their shared identity and faith. With the docks badly damaged at Dunkirk and not enough ships to evacuate everyone, the mission seemed doomed. Thankfully, many civilians responded to Churchill's words, and a flotilla of little ships, 850 private boats manned by civilians, came to the rescue. Under fire from land and air, these little ships worked with Navy vessels to ferry more than 331,000 soldiers across the Channel to safety. The rescue turned a military disaster into a story of heroism and a miracle. Friends, today Jesus is calling us to act as those little ships, ordinary anointed ones ready to work together to save souls. We may not face a military threat, but the people of our town face sickness, poverty, domestic abuse, and the spiritual oppression of an enemy that wants to grab us and take us into hell for all eternity. Our job is to work together as an army, a flotilla, a group of Christ-anointed ones, working for justice, practicing mercy, and walking in humility and integrity before our God. How we do this? By remaining in Christ and drawing on the Holy Spirit to guide us every day. May we heed John's call to continue in Christ, so that when Jesus returns, we along with Jim Brown and all those who have died in Christ may be confident and unashamed at his coming. Amen.